Welcome to episode 25 of the Party Wagon Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan, from the YouTube channel, Brendan's Rambles. And uh, Eric's, again, not with us this week. He will be back soon, but, you know, you're just going to have to bear with me in these episodes where it's just me. Uh, but we will have guests on the uh, podcast today uh, with Chris Fawcett, CJ, author of Rad Plastic, and Gary, who also worked on Rad Plastic. And we're going to talk about all their toy hunting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles adventures uh, later in this podcast. But first, I'm just going to do the news segment real quickly on my own. There's not a ton of news, so I figured, you know, I'm just going to cover it on my own and then we'll jump into the interesting stuff. So um, probably the biggest news story right now is that uh, in previous podcasts, I said that the, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were guest starring in every single video game as playable characters, except the biggest crossover game, Fortnite, which every franchise ends up in eventually. But no, we do have them now in Fortnite. They are coming to Fortnite. And uh, something that's interesting about it is we're not getting a specific version of the Turtles. We're getting new Fortnite designs of the Turtles which I think is actually a cool route to go because it makes them fit in with the game more. And it's hard to just pick one version of the turtles. Everyone's has a different favorite version. So it's a good choice, but um, we saw the designs of the four turtles and someone else we'll talk about in a bit. The designs are, they're good. Um, They're not my favorite. There's something about the anatomy. That's a little weird. The legs are real long on them because they're just skins. You know, everything in Fortnite is a skin essentially. Um, So they have these real long human legs and even their torsos are kind of human-y and I don't love it. Something about it just looks off. Uh, Sometimes it looks really weird, especially Raph. Raph looks way too tall. Um, but they're not bad designs though. They're a little busy. They have a lot of little pouches and thigh straps and stuff for no real reason other than to have more detail, but it's very true to the, uh, Fortnite aesthetic. They very much fit in with the Fortnite look. So, uh, they're, they're not the worst designs I've ever seen. I like the all white eyes. They always do the skull cap with Raph now, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I know a lot of people like them with the skull cap. Uh, I think, Raph probably has the weakest design of all of them. I would say Raph probably has the weakest design and Donnie probably has the strongest. I would say from good to bad, it's Donnie, Leo, Mike, Raph. Raph has this like weird, like masters of the universe, beast man pauldrons on his shoulders. And uh, he's just real stretched out and, and gangly. And he has that, skull cap i'm not a huge fan of so like in general i think raf is my least favorite of the designs but it's by no means like a terrible raf design they're all pretty good designs for the the turtles especially again like it's it's nice that they fit in with the aesthetic of fortnite because you know they have like dragon ball z characters in fortnite and 
they literally just look like Akira Toriyama's drawings. They have the, the line art and everything. So it's pretty cool to have Fort, uh, the Fortnite Turtles actually look like they belong in Fortnite. Uh, and they went the extra mile of redesigning them. We're getting a fifth character, at least. There could be even more. Uh, fifth skin. We're getting April O'Neil, and she's also a redesign. Very much inspired by the 87 version of her, but she looks considerably younger. Uh, she looks kind of like that April as a teenager, definitely before uh, her chest started to grow in because <laughs> she's much smaller in the chest region than she was in the 87 cartoon. So uh, it, it, she just kind of looks younger in that regard. She's like a skinnier, more slimmed down April O'Neil. She's dressed kind of like a 2000s, early 2000s punk or something. Actually, you know what she's dressed like? She's kind of dressed like Ted Theodore Logan from Bill and Ted, specifically like the outfit with the, the white t-shirt and then like the baggy orange capri pants that uh, they gave him in like the cartoon and everything, like the more iconic uh, the most iconic outfit from the movie. She kind of looks like that getup, but uh, April O'Neil. So I, I don't love the April O'Neil design. It's definitely the weakest of the five, but yeah, it's not bad. I still just think it's weird every time April gets added to games, like of all the playable characters, and I know they're just skins, but of all the playable characters, you could have added Shredder or Rocksteady or Bebop or rat king or leatherhead or something you add april like april just doesn't seem that special to me and it's still weird every time they go with 87 april and make her a fighter because 87 april really wasn't a fighter and i know this isn't technically 87 april and i don't really care much it's cool to see her be a fighter but it just seems like april's never my first pick for a fifth playable character in a video game but she seems to be everybody else's uh first pick you know she was the the first playable character other than the turtles shown off for shredders revenge. She was the first playable character other than a turtle shown off for Nick all-star brawl, even before we even got Raph or Don years before we got Raph or Don. Uh, so it just seems like everyone goes for April right away, but I would have rather gone with shredder, uh, you know, Crane's body or like bebop and Rocksteady, maybe like Baxter Stockman or something, but it's still cool. Oh, or splinter. But it's cool to get her. I mean, it shows that we're probably going to get more Turtles characters. Like, it's probably going to eventually have Shredder and Splinter and stuff in there. Probably Casey Jones, I would say. He'd be an easy one to do. Uh, but, yeah, Turtles in Fortnite. And they're also bringing a bunch of, like, uh, other content. So there's... See, I don't, I don't play Fortnite, so I don't know how this works. There's a bunch of little, like, avatars. I guess those are just your player avatar, or maybe those are, like tags you can put somewhere i don't know how it works um but i've seen those and i've seen a whole area that's like the sewer layer but it's it's not in new york city it's like in the middle of a desert or something but uh but yeah there's a whole sewer layer and i th think it was shown in a trailer earlier that had like solid snake in it and uh it, it, it doesn't look like any one version of the turtle layer just like the characters don't look like any one version of the turtles it's just kind of a generic representation of what the turtle layer is like. There's some cool stuff. I like the big pizza rug on the, the area rug in, on the floor. But um, yeah, it looks cool. It's, you know, again, I don't play Fortnite. I never have. Uh, 
it's it's cool looking now. If I did, I'd be super hyped about this, and I'm I just think it's cool to see it happen. Uh, even though Fortnite is just becoming the oasis from Ready Player One, <laughs> where they added like a Mario Kart mode, and they added like a Lego mode, which is basically Minecraft. They're trying to like wipe out Minecraft with Fortnite now. I think um, and Ninja Turtles are in both, <laughs> but they have them for the the Lego Fortnite thing. Also, they already have the turtles in that too, and they're more or less the same designs as the regular Fortnite turtles. So, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. It's a lot of turtles content all at once. So they really are working their way into every single game. I, I wonder what game they're going to show up in next. I wouldn't be surprised if they show up in freaking smash brothers at this point, they're in every game. So, I mean, they're already in two other platform fighters. They're in Nick all-star brawl and they're in Brawlhalla. So turtles are everywhere, man. Turtles are, everywhere these days it's crazy how how abundant the turtles are in you know uh all, all media now but we also got uh some action figure news not really of like new figures coming out but the or new figures we didn't know about it's just like figures we did know about are finally going up for pre-order and hitting store shelves and stuff like the creature from the black lagoon leo uh, is out there now. Same with the Usagi Ojimbo four pack, which has like all the different versions of Usagi. We have that out and we have uh, some of the last Ronin figures are out. I believe it's Mike Wrath and Splinter, which is weird because Splinter was originally shown off with Donatello. So I don't know why Donatello isn't out yet. Uh, especially since, you know, Donatello and Splinter go together in the uh, comic book in their plot line, in their story, like they're very closely connected. So it, it's weird to really splinter before Donatello. You think they would have done Mike and Raph, then uh, splinter and Donatello, but, uh, and I, maybe Leo's out. You think they want to do Leo and Casey together? Cause you know, they were closely connected in that comic. I don't know. I, I would have done Raph and Karai, Leo and Casey, I don't know who that guy would do with, with Mike, Mike and well, Oh wait, no, what, what am I talking about? Why am I saying Mike? Anyone who's read the last drone and knows that there is no, we don't have to add a Mike figure. Um, it's Leo and Raph have been released. Okay. So I would do, you know, Leo and Casey Raph and Karai and then Don and, and Splinter. They're not selling them as two packs though. They're just standalone figures. I think, think there is a raft that comes in a two-pack with Karai. I don't remember. But I believe right now it's just Leo, Raph, and uh, Splinter that are out right now. So I don't know when we're getting that Donatello. I don't know if he is out, if he is for pre-order, and I just didn't see it. But from the places I checked, I only saw those three figures being shown off for uh, the last Ronin figures. So I'm sure they're all coming soon. I mean, they're clearly starting to roll this stuff out, NECA. Like, all the stuff we saw at San Diego Comic-Con and stuff is starting to finally, you know, come to light now. So I think we're going to start getting a lot of NECA figures uh, in the new year. Probably when the new year comes, a bunch of them are going to start dropping, especially at Holothon in, like, March or April. I think we're going to get a ton of figures at that time. We usually do, so... We'll see. I don't know how much of it's actually going to be tune because uh, we don't have that much coming out. We have like the, 
samurai Mike with space Don and stuff like that. We have the space Usagi. Uh, I, I know we have some other stuff. Oh, we have the, the business suit Casey and stuff, but for the most part, I'm pretty sure they said the, uh, the giant crane body is coming out like the very end of 2024, like holiday 2024. I think they said it's coming out. So we have a whole year before that comes out. If that is the correct release date. So uh, we don't have a ton of the tune stuff coming, but a lot of Mirage, a lot of last Ronin. Uh, I know a lot of people, myself included are looking forward to the Mirage rat King. Uh, that's an awesome looking figure. So a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon, just not a lot of exciting tune stuff on the horizon, but a lot of NECA. We've had a quiet spell from NECA for a while, which is rare. Usually NECA is constantly pumping stuff out. Uh, I have seen some new NECA stuff in stores. I know I've seen the creature from the Black Lagoon, not Leo, but the actual universal monster creature from the Black Lagoon, which I need to get. Uh, I saw the Earl Sinclair from Dinosaurs, Jim Henson's Dinosaurs. And I want to get that one, but you know, I'm being very stingy with money right now because I had to spend a lot of money on stuff. I still have stuff I have to spend a lot of money on coming up. So I'm not in a big collector phase right now, but I got to say, I was shocked how tiny that Earl Sinclair was. I was expecting him to be like a massive figure, like a really big, like Godzilla sized figure, but he's really short. I, I feel like he's got to be like maybe the same height as the movie turtles. Yeah, he was really short when I saw him in the package I opened the because his package is huge so I was expecting him to fill the entire thing and then I opened up the the flap and he's like this tiny little thing in there and I was not expecting that I mean it'll probably make it better for costs because I do want to buy him and hopefully that makes him cheaper uh but damn he is he's a lot smaller than I thought he was going to be I thought I was going to have this this awesome huge Earl Sinclair on my shelf but he's just going to be this little itty bitty thing you can barely see so <laughs> Uh, him being that small really makes me wonder why they switched baby Sinclair from being a, uh, a, a accessory packed in with Earl to being an, his own standalone figure. Cause I feel like you easily could have just shoved baby and the, and the, the height chair and stuff into that box and just made it a two pack. Uh, but I guess most of that, that package is just his tail. <laughs> I think Earl's tail is taking up most of the space. So I don't even think he comes with that many accessories. I could be wrong, but I don't think he comes with that many. He should at least come with like the TV or something, but I know he, he's, he's small, but he's chunky. Like he's, he's short. I should say not small. He's short, but he's still a big solid lump of a figure. Uh, so I can get, if he doesn't come with that many accessories, depending on what the price is, I, I don't know what the price is. He wasn't labeled there. I didn't have anybody price check him for me. He might be like 50 bucks. If he's 50 bucks, then he should be the size of like the buffed out Napoleon Bonafrog or something. He should be huge, but uh, speaking of which, I still have not gotten the Napoleon, uh, the huge Napoleon, and I still see him at every target I go to. So maybe someday if he's on like a clearance rack one day, I'll get him. but I don't know what it is. That's one of the first mutant figures they've made in that line that I just have no real need to get, uh, maybe someday. So we'll see about that. That's really it for toy news it's, it's kind of a slow time period for for toys i've seen the the new wave of mutant mayhem figures hitting stores i've seen mondo gecko and stuff on shelves but other than that there's really nothing else new uh i've seen the super duper fly which for some reason they just called the mega mutant he's not as big as i thought he was going to be i thought he was going to be like a massive figure he's 
really not that big. He's nowhere near as big as he is in the movie. So he's not to scale with the rest of the figures, but what are you going to do? They, they don't want to release something that's going to end up being like $80 or no parents going to want to buy him. He's probably under 40 bucks. So I can see that he's, he might even be like 24, $25. I don't know, but he's not a huge figure. This is April O'Neil, Channel 6 News, and you're watching the Party Wagon Podcast. All right, so you guys already know who I am. If you've been following the podcast for a while, you probably already know who Chris is, Chris Fawcett, author of Rad Plastic. But we have him back today, and uh, Chris and Gary, you guys want to introduce yourselves? Yeah, I'm uh, Chris Fawcett, like I said, author of Rad Plastic, and uh, me and Gary are actually out here in Los Angeles, like live right now, um, you know, hunting around for interesting Ninja Turtles and other things, so. Hey, my name is Gary Bubich. I'm a friend of Chris. I helped out a little bit with uh, Rad Plastic on the research end, and uh, I'm the co-author myself of a book called Engineering Empire which was, uh, we told the story of uh, all the men and women that worked on the Kenner Star Wars line back in the 70s and 80s. Oh, that's so That's awesome. how Chris and I met researching that book. Okay, so I knew Chris was a big Kenner Star Wars guy, but that explains a lot. You guys were both big Kenner Star Wars guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found out they were doing their book, and I uh, I had a lot of, of contacts. So I'm like, I, I just called them up. I, heard, I actually heard, heard you guys on a podcast, and I was like, I think oh, I yeah. could help these guys out. So I contacted them and said, hey, I got some, you know, people I know that would probably be interested to be in the book. And then, so I was giving them names and numbers and contact info. So that's how we got connected. Oh, that's awesome. And how long you guys been doing this kind of stuff together? Like, was it five years? Five. No, over five years. Yeah, doing in, yeah, in our sixth year doing it together. And oh, then, wow. So like 2018, 2017. So, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Six years. Hang. <laughs> <Stop lying. laughs> I was like, man, I, I can't believe I moved just like less than five yeah. years ago. It was, it, it's insane. But uh, yeah, so you guys have been out there in Los Angeles. Uh, I wanted to ask a question about this because uh, I, I was just wondering because I'm not in this the scene you guys are in. I'm in like the I just collect what stores are offering on the scene. So when, when you go for these these hunts, when you go and look at stuff, uh, I'm not sure how the process works. Do people come to you and say they have a collection, or do you seek them out? And if you do, what's that process like? Yeah, it's all seeking out. I mean, when I started um, doing the book, you know, I was actively uh, calling people. It's, it's it's whatever. It's cold calling, cold emailing, cold whatever, whatever contact uh, way you can find to contact someone and. You know, you just try to get a hold of them. Sometimes there people are really easy to find, and sometimes they're near impossible. I mean, there's there's been people I was looking for for four years, you know, or five years, and then suddenly found them, you know, like six months ago. And there's other people that like literally the first phone call I made was the right person. Oh, that's so, great. That, that's got to be great when that happens. <laughs> yeah. What about what do I do? No, I think it's it's I guess a mix of both. Where yeah, it's a lot of like kind of research and searching out people and trying to track them down, but then. Kind of once we've established a, a kind of a base and, and a good name in, in what we do, um, we will then sometimes get recommendations from other like former employees or about other collections, and they'll you know they will reach out to us uh, on the back end. So that I guess it goes both ways. Yeah, that's true. Once that's, you yeah once you start to meet some people, they're like you know they'll refer you to someone else or their buddy or, or they'll say hey I you know like 
there's this there's this sculptor guy I know, and I'm like, well, do you have his number? And they're like, yeah, I do. Like, could you you know reach out to them for me and see if it'd be okay if I talk to them? And we'll, you'll get a contact that way a lot of times. So oh, it's sort of like a spider web. It's like you start with one, and you get a few names, and those names spread to more names, and <laughs> and uh, you know contacts and various ways of of, of uh, meeting people. Well, that's good, man. Networking is everything. So <laughs> it's pretty much networking. I mean, that's if you want to be boring about it, that's the name for it. Is networking. <laughs> Sorry for making it sound boring. It's awesome. No, no. <laughs> so, uh, so I don't know whether to ask you guys for, I wanted to ask you what's like the greatest Ninja Turtle find you ever found. But I think before we get into that, I want to ask you what's the greatest find you had with this search, this most recent search. Oh, this, this, this weekend. Yes. Yeah. This weekend. Oh, I don't well, know. Gary, no, I'll let Gary go first. Why? Why I think about <laughs> it. It's actually not Ninja Turtle. So for you fans of the 19, 19- 80s wrestling scene the ljn toy company put out the original kind of rubber eight inch wrestling yeah, guys yeah. and uh yeah so and i'm a, i'm a, i grew up playing with those and uh we were visiting with somebody we'd visited with several times and out pops a box and from inside that box he pulls out the original wax sculpt for george the animal steel oh my god uh, eight inch george yeah so that was uh that blew my mind when that popped out of the box didn't expect to see that so for me that's the best thing we saw uh during this trip by far that's yeah. really cool. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. If I had any clue about wrestling, I would probably say the same thing. <laughs> I get the vibe from yeah, from Gary that it's like a pretty incredible piece, uh, but I have no clue about that line. So I feel like um, George uh, George doesn't get the respect he should these days. Like whenever anytime people do like retro wrestling figures and stuff, now they really never do George the Animal Steel. It's always yeah, the same guy anymore. Which is, I mean, I think that should they should bring that back, but yeah. yeah. LGN yeah, made good stuff though. They made chunky, real chunky toys you could really beat the hell out of when we were. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for me, uh, this trip it was um, I was able to get a couple, two original pencil artworks for the unproduced uh, Spellcaster Splinter figure. Oh, cool! So Here's they're the they're cool. they're kind of very similar. They're just like you could tell it's like they're labeled two and three, and I don't know what what number one looked like or what happened to it, but. <laughs> Um, they're basically basically the same pose, same figure, but um, there's some notes in this folder from uh, Playmates. There was like, change the, he has a staff. They're like, change the staff to have a crystal ball on the end. And so you see going from one to the other, the change in the staff and some other changes. So, um, you know, original art is just like really like top notch in my book, you know, to have yeah. the original pencil. And this particular artist I know and become friends with over the last four or five years. So to have some of his artwork was, was really great. So that would, that would be it for me. That's really cool. Were you able to like show him like, Hey, here's these pieces you, you drew, you never thought you'd see again. I got them. Or yeah, that, that uh, I, I have not reached out to him yet because they did not come directly from him. They came from somebody else who worked at, um, with Claymates. But um, he's, he, the artist um, knows that, knows he would remember them because he had photocopies of all of them. So I've seen oh, okay. these original arts before. It wasn't like I pulled out and go, Oh my God, this is brand new. I've never seen this. So I've seen pictures of it, but uh, to be able to acquire the actual original pencil that, you know, that a friend of mine puts pencil to paper and back in 93 or something like that. Right. It's pretty, yeah. pretty amazing in my head. That, that is amazing. From your question, when you were, when you were asking about kind of like, you know, making connections and, and researching, We've that's that's actually um, been something that's been very helpful for our research. We, we'll come across a piece of art or a drawing with a signature or whatever, and we'll kind of track that person down and maybe send them images of things that they probably haven't seen in, in you know, yeah. 15, 20 years. And it just kind of like sparks a, 
uh, relationship and, and open, opens up a lot of communication yep. between new leads and new people to talk to, which uh, happens pretty frequently with us. It's funny, sometimes I'll ask somebody, do you remember doing the artwork on figure X? And like, I never did that. And then I'll send them a thing with their signature on and they're like, I guess I did do that. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Like, I mean, 30 okay. years, your memory fades. You think of how deep that toy line goes. Like, they probably don't remember half the stuff they drew for that. Yeah, toy exactly. Line. Exactly. But yeah, the artwork's always cool because, I mean, that's essentially where it all started. It's before there was even the wax sculpt. There was the drawings. and There was the drawings. And, and some of the artists were just fantastic. You know, I, I don't think I've seen many other toy lines that have as detailed and artistic and shaded artwork like the Ninja Turtles line does. The, the artists were just great. Yeah. They put a lot of time into those renderings. Yeah, that it wasn't was, like a toy line like a Star Wars where there's established characters and you only had so much to work with. Turtle line, they kind of just would sit down and come up with whatever they could think of and, and pitch yeah. it and see if it stuck. Uh, we saw some uh, images today or this week for a nerd turtle, which obviously never got made, but the, the renderings for, for that were wild, man. They were really, really cool. Cool. Really? Yeah, I never heard of them. Glasses and a pocket projector. Big calculator. <laughs> Big calculator. Was yeah. it Donatello? I, I don't think it was labeled as which figure it was. And it was there. black and white, so who knows? Yeah. It was That's just fun. like, yeah, nerd turtle. I never knew about that. That's crazy. But yeah, that's awesome, man. So uh, I think a lot of people might not know exactly like like how things work. Because like, you know, the, the show American Pickers is really popular. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people might think that's exactly how it works. Is that how this this whole process works or is it very different? Uh, I mean, I guess it's in a way it's kind of similar. So it's, I think, I think a lot of us are drawn to doing this is because it's like that modern day treasure hunt. Obviously we love the toys and we love the history, but the, there is a, a ton of fun in, you know, tracking this stuff down and getting out on going on trips and, and meeting different people. And then, you know, seeing what we can kind of unearth or what, you know, what gets pulled out of a box next. So it is very American picker esque, I guess, in a sense. Um, but it's, it's twofold. It's, 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 it's 50% like the love of the toys and the history and learning. And the other is our collector, you know, our collector roots where we want to, you know, acquire new things and see new things and, and, uh, and see what's out there. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, that process of kind of like finding things and then seeing if they're for sale and kind of negotiating and, and that all plays out pretty much just, you know, right on point with like uh, the American picker style or that picker yeah. style of finding things. We probably, we have, we have photos and videos of things that you could probably, if you swap face swap me with Mike Wolf, would you not even know it was, you know, it was like from the show. I mean, you We're know, sure I don't want to sell a price. Yeah, actually, actually, yeah, we use some of their techniques sometimes, actually. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to sell it. Well, can I throw a number at you? Or what's your, I don't want to sell it price or things like that. It's like some of those little tricks really can work sometimes. Um, but yeah, I think that show is, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's all stage. I I think there's, I, obviously, as they went further into the seasons, it got more and more popular and probably they were getting calls from people to come out. There's probably got a little more stage, but I think a lot of that shows like legit because it feels real to me from my experience of what we do. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah it's crawling around in, under a house, you know, with rat poop everywhere and pulling out a box and, you know, going, what's in this thing? And, you know, or getting in an attic or I mean, there was one attic we climbed into. I kid you not. This was a little cubby attic. It was probably, I don't know, it was three, four foot by three foot oh, and was like 12 foot deep. And it was like, I was literally having to like get a box and like squeeze it past myself and put it here <laughs> to hand it to somebody to take it. And it was up like a ladder to take it down the ladder and then go to the next box and squeeze it past me and push it this way. So it's like, you know, all those crazy things they do is I think is pretty, 
pretty pretty accurate to how it really is. That's good. None of you got hurt in that one. That sounds like someone could easily. I was also climbing up and like on a ladder into some hanging metal racks from a ceiling too that probably weren't intended for human weight. <laughs> but I was up there crawling around on a board and yeah, sometimes it can be a little dangerous. Yeah, I was in the rat poop. He was in the rat poop, uh, inhaling. You had a mask. We'll see what the long-term effects of that are. <laughs> Knee deep in the rat poop. That, that was in the middle of COVID, so fortunately we had masks anyway. So <laughs> that, that's what you got to do if you ever you ever have a biography just about doing this stuff. That's the title: Knee Deep in the Rat Poop. <laughs> sure, that should be your yeah your autobiography. Gary Burbage, Knee Deep in the Rat Poop. That sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, there's not a chapter at the end that says the health problems that came from being knee. We'll leave that out. <laughs> <laughs> Died at 58 yeah. from some kind of lung disease. Yeah, the <laughs> ultimate yeah, turtle collector. Yeah, you became Master Splinter, the ultimate turtles yeah. fan. So speaking yeah. of turtles and like playmates, that's like you know, mostly what, what we talk about is your playmates finds of turtles. Playmates did a lot of stuff back in the days that like wasn't the action figure line. Like they did like the football that looked like Raphael, and they had the, the hockey table that actually had all these little cool like figurines of Genghis Frog and everything in it. Do you guys ever come across that stuff? Do you care about finding that stuff? Or is it just like action figure centric? Yeah, we definitely come across that. And we also come across stuff from the other lines, like Skeleton Warriors and Star Trek and Earthworm Jim and Toxic yeah. Crusader. You know, um, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird once you get deep into like the prototype thing you know some guy will pull out a sculpt for some line you don't even know what it is and never seems like this thing's so cool just because it's like the original wax like it's this weird kind of click clicking in your brain it clicks over and you're like suddenly it's it's like almost like the part of the process becomes just as important as the actual line or the actual figure or the character um yeah. i think it's about like appreciation of the artwork you know it's like oh this is the original art you know a wax or whatever yeah. um but yeah, I mean, just this weekend we saw like the clay sculpt for the football, a couple oh, really? wax sculpts for the baseballs, you know, the little yeah uh, baseballs, and we saw the oh the the sculpt for the big the the uh, resin cast statues. You remember those? Like playmates put out four of those, yeah. the, like the big ones. There was a guy who had a, a, the original sculpt for that. It was huge. It's a little bit need a little bit of love. Um, as some of these things do with it are stored away. Yeah, but, yeah that stuff's always that stuff's always neat to see. Um, as far as like, uh, you know, collecting the collecting side, as Gary said, you know, usually not super high interest unless it's, you know, it's just a really great price. Um, yeah. but it's always kind of fun to look at and see. Yeah. And we're constantly keeping our eye out too for stuff that, you know, friends collect, you know, maybe not necessarily like turtle lines or other things, but the, these tertiary toy lines that, you know, especially playmate stuff, like we've got some stuff, was it the Savage Dragon or Savage Dragon. Something like that yesterday and Skeleton Warriors and. We come across that stuff quite a bit, and it's not necessarily something that we would be into, but we know people that are into it and dig it, and we'll we'll try to make connect those you know those dots and, and help those people out with stuff. So that happens. Cool. Cool. You guys are doing like uh, you're doing God's work for collectors. <laughs> you're welcome. Well, like it's uh, you know kind of view it as like saving this his, his histories, you know, because you know you never know like you know some guy maybe single or some woman maybe husband doesn't have any clue about this stuff and they pass away and they're like clean out the house you know yeah or their kids you know the parents pass away and the kids get the house and they're just like just throw it on the dumpster like you know that has happened before yeah and it's sad. like we really feel like oh we gotta you know saving the history of this stuff is important because it was such a huge pop culture uh thing you know the turtles and, and a lot of these other toy lines as well 
Yeah. Uh, you definitely don't want this stuff to be lost forever. Yeah, I mean, it's cool when you have the original blueprints, essentially, for what brought so many kids from an entire generation joy. Like that, That's worth preserving in my mind. I think, I think you know, some people might laugh. I think preserving the, the artwork and the sculpts and everything for the, the Turtles line is just as important as preserving Picasso painting. Yeah, we agree. That's why we, we kind of make that connection a lot, like this pop culture art. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of these artists um, are need to be recognized for like what they did. I mean, it's not to them. It was a job and we, we, we come across this, like it was basically like the byproduct of a production process to get a, a product to market. Um, yeah. So a lot of them think of it as like their art, but we now as collectors and, and looking back and, and, you know, appreciating pop culture, it's 100% in our opinion, just as important as other pieces of art that are out there. And I think that um, we've, I know we've, we've had a lot of conversations with these toy artists and they were kind of like making them come to that realization about how many people, you know, appreciate what they did and are like, you know, fans, huge fans. We've connected uh, different artists and, and toy industry people with, you know, different podcasts and, and uh, uh, collector shows and conventions. And now they're like almost quasi like celebrity yeah, status with, collect yeah. with collectors. And uh, prior to like Chris's book and like our book with the Star Wars for Kenner people, um, these people are now like like on the circuit with uh, these you know, cons and different things like that, which is pretty cool to see and kind of feel, you know, we had a, a pretty big part in, in seeing that happen introducing them to the collector community and their fans that's all you guys are a massive part of it and that's really cool like i said you're doing you're not just doing god's work for the, co the collectors you're doing god's work for everyone involved because like you said for i mean for decades the guys who drew the concept artwork for the ninja turtle action figures and i mean even star wars even bigger franchise most people didn't even know who the heck they were and they didn't really get any recognition and i mean they they essentially illustrated our childhood. So yeah, it's, sure. it's awesome. That's, to have them you know, that's why in Rad Plastic, I tried my best to attribute every piece I could. Some of them I couldn't figure out, you know, who drew it or who sculpted it. But every one I could figure out, I, you know, attributed it to the artist so that, um, you know, people people know who, who did this, who was the artist behind this thing. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's awesome. That was my favorite part of the book, actually, was all the concept artwork. Like, I loved seeing the uh, the initial sculpts, the wax sculpts and everything, but my absolute favorite part was the concept artwork because you just see how the character changed, how many different artists were throwing around different ideas and what mm -hmm. we could have gotten. And just, you get a look into like how creative these guys were. They told them, you know, draw a Japanese dragon character and everyone came up with the crazy ideas for what he was going to be. And uh, it, it's, it was awesome. And, uh, you know, well, I'm, thank God for I'm you guys. Cross your fingers, but I'm hoping that I'm going to be uh, doing some things in the in the not near future, but the medium future with a lot more of the concept art I have because I have a lot of concept art that never made the book. So, oh, nice. Um, like you know that I like I said that one guy had photocopies of everything he drew, and like I have you know a huge stack, and other people had uh, had uh, you know copies of a lot of artwork. So that's awesome. <clears throat> I can't wait to see more of it. The more the more of that that surfaces, the more exciting the whole scene gets because you just learn more and more about this thing that we all love. And uh, I guess uh, I forgot to continue with that that uh, question. Now, uh, what's your favorite pieces you guys have ever found uh, TMNT wise? While ever so found ever ever. Uh, oh geez, um, I guess I'm on the spot. Start. This goes back to one of our original stories. This is kind of the origin stories of uh, you know Chris and I and a couple friends that getting into like the, the, the turtle prototype game, we were actually researching the Kenner book and we were visiting with a, uh, a former Kenner employee in Ohio of all places. And, um, you know, we're in her basement. We're kind of looking through some bins and it was just like, you know, remote control car parts and 
Uh, but, lots of horses. Yeah, lot, yeah, horses and and dolls. dolls. <laughs> like, I'm like, Chris, what are we doing here? Some and then, NASCAR cars and yeah, jackets. Some, uh, so then we started getting kind of some more interesting stuff, and then we popped open a box, and uh, and I think one of the first things we pulled out of this box was a little sculptors tend to store their like sculpts that we've come to learn in these like the same size box. They're they're all identical, and they have these little wire tabs that keep the box shut. So at the time, I, I didn't know what it was. I so I popped this box open, I look into it, and it was a what end up being the uh, original wax skull for the creature Leo um, oh, figure. So um, I'm looking at it. I didn't even know what I was looking at. I handed it over to Chris. He's like, it's a Ninja Turtle. <laughs> and uh, so like, okay, this, well, this, this just got interesting. And we found out that um, there was some relation with uh, former Playmates employee with the person we were dealing with. And um, we started going through more boxes. And the next thing we know, I think we uncovered, that was probably the biggest like turtle prototype find of, uh, of At the last house being together. yeah well yeah before you know there was I think there was one other that was a little bit bigger but yeah this started off we were I mean just boxes full of painted hard copies and uh, first shot action figures all kinds of stuff we and I think we went back there a couple times and each time we went back there we found new stuff and just different boxes we hadn't gone through uh, but I think that creature Leo sculpt for me is, is one that I held on to and it was as a special place one because it was like the first thing that we found and, um, and I'm a big creature of a Black Lagoon fan so. Um, that one for me, I think, is is it. I'll, I'll add on a little bit to that story before I get my answer. But <laughs> my one memory of it, Gary had a Gary had like a headband light thing because it was down in the basement. I was spelunking. He was spelunking. Yeah, I was getting into it. <laughs> and uh, um, so we had started like on the right side of the room, and that was the side that had all the crap, NASCAR and horses and all that. And then the 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 box we found with that sculpt was sort of backed on the complete other side of the room. And so, like our other friend Matt, who's who's uh, worked on all this stuff with us, he's like, "I want to go over here and dig around in these boxes because that's where the one good piece came from." And yeah. So I was over. I was over still. I think we had found at that point some boxes of like just carded figures, turtles carded stuff. And so I was sort of going through those in this big empty uh, open area in the middle. And um, <clears throat> Gary walks over to Matt, calls Gary over. To Gary, come over here. Get this box. I want to look into it. Gary gets this box. He comes back and it's just this huge smile. It's like, what is it? What is it? He goes, all hard copies. And he had a bin <laughs> like those big Rubbermaid bins that are like three foot wide and like two foot deep. And I'm yeah. like, you're kidding me. That's all. He's like, all hard copies. They're all painted. They're wrapped up individually. Oh, it was like God. that. Like we, that was like well, you recognize now. Yeah, we because we had we had found a few things at that point, but it was like you know. That sculpt and two or three hard copies and maybe a couple first shots and then he brought that bin over and I remember that so clearly in my mind. You see, saying that as you walk over, we set that box down and tore into it, and it's like I don't know how many were in there, twenty or thirty. It was a lot. <coughs> it was a lot. Cool. Each one was individually wrapped. They were, they were and they were mostly painted. That's awesome. That's the mother load right All there. Right, so my answer. Um, yeah. So the best thing I think, I think Ninja Turtles wise. Um, so we were. <laughs> This one, this one. I see April peeking this in. One. No, it's not yeah. this one, but we'll tell you a story about that one in a minute. Um, <laughs> so we were we were up here. It's actually this the same guy we were just talking about that um, uh, um, Gary got his wrestler guy from uh, a couple okay. trips back. We were visiting him, and we went over there and hung out for a little while. And I think we probably bought a few things. Um, but anyway, he lives like pretty far away from downtown LA, so it's a little bit of a hike to his place, and. Uh, this, we went up there like earlier in the weekend and then like later that evening he texts me and he's like i found this in the garage or something like that and he texts me a picture of the painted pitch turtle 
And I'm oh, like, okay. are you kidding me? I'm like, are you interested in selling that at all? He's like, yeah, I probably would. I'm like, can we come back tomorrow? Like we got a window like at two o'clock or whatever. And so he's like, sure. And so we went back up there and worked out a deal. And, you know, I now have a painted pitch turtle, which is like, I don't know, maybe my number one. There's only there's only two or three pieces I think I've seen that I think can compete with that. So that was probably the best thing, I think. What were the, what were the ones that can compete? It's an okay. He carries it. It's an okay piece. <laughs> that was the one when we saw you last time you were in front of your collection. Me and Eric, were, you were like, is there anything you want to see? Me and Eric were instantly like that. Yeah. You want to see that? <laughs> yeah, but that, that was that was just, it was, that was so cool because it was like completely unexpected. You know, sometimes yeah. you have things you're like, oh, I know kind of what's there and I'm going to go and see it. We're trying to get some stuff. And sometimes there's things like that that pop up that like, you know, five minutes ago, I never would have even told me I would be looking at this now. I would have told you you're crazy. And yet here I am, you know, so those are the ones that are kind of fun when you, you find or pull something out of a box. that's just sort of shocking, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, they I didn't completely even... that random too. So we'll like, like the pitch turtle thing. So we've, we've probably gone through the same sources or different people we've talked to like different mm -hmm. times. And every time we go back looking for stuff, we'll find like incredible stuff in the most random boxes. And it's like in pieces and like, there's, a, there's an art in one box. We find the leg for it in another box. And it's just like, Again, it's going back to that kind of saving things, rescuing things from um, a lot of the stuff was not kept in the best conditions or like yeah. kind of just tossed in a box or was in a drawer or like, um, you know, parts and pieces are here. The other parts are, are somewhere else. Um, but yeah, it, just a random phone call like that. Oh, I just happened to find this in a drawer. And it's like probably one of the best yeah. pieces. That, you know, it's, that's just how it goes. Yeah. I mean, that's like yeah. the holy grail of one of them. I mean, I think there was like four of those produced. I think one in each color. That's like there's definitely more than four because there's a there's a picture of four of them painted uh, from a, a old video somewhere from Mirage, and then the one I have doesn't. Those look like they're very different colors, like like not quite the sort of Crayola eight box red, purple, you know, green and blue, but like more tealish and on one, and the purple's a little more lavender and. So, oh, okay. but maybe it's just a bad video and the color timing is off, right. possibly. But there was at least four, because there's a picture I have of four of them all sitting together. But I okay. suspect there was probably maybe a few more than that. But there's right now, there's only two I know 100% sure exist and one other rumored one I've heard of that I've not confirmed or seen a picture of. Okay. And they're all essentially Donatello, but colored like the different turtles, correct? Yeah, because they're all the bow staff, but yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, they painted them all with a different four different colors. I know I've seen Mike on the uh, the Netflix uh, toys that made us. The Mike colored one was on there, right? But... Yeah, the Mike one and the Donatello I have are the two I know for sure still exist. So, oh okay, that's awesome. So we talked about the most interesting pieces you found, but you're going to all these crazy places to find these things. What's the most interesting place you found mm -hmm. product in? Uh, I'll take that one. I don't think you were there for this one, but um, so this one lead uh, got a hold of him and he was like, well, why don't you meet me at my work? I'm like, okay, well, where's your work? It's the museum of natural history in Los Angeles. So we roll up in there and uh, we're waiting in like this room of art, you know, like old, I don't know what it was, but there's this gigantic painting on the wall. Like, 12 foot tall and this intricate like framing 
And uh, the guy walks in, and he looks like he just walked out of a Jurassic Park film set. I mean, he's got, like, like that's the kind of vibe he had, like khakis, khakis and millions of pockets, right? And, and we started talking to him, and he, he told us, basically, yeah, see this frame here? Like, this isn't, like, a 150-year-old frame, and it was busted here, and I fixed it all up. But anyway, um, he had brought some of his stuff there, but the more interesting thing is he took us up to the dino dinosaur bone cleaning area. And we got to do a t backstage tour of all the dinosaur bones that the museum was currently processing. So it's like, we're literally sitting there like, you want to hold it? Like, there's a dinosaur bone in my hand. <laughs> and there's, there's this person sitting there at this desk, just like literally with these tiny little tools. And you can see this bone is only like 10% out. I'm like, those two, it's going to take you two years to get that bone out with those tools. I'm like, like, oh man, what a tedious job. I'm like, but you know, it's fulfilling to them, I suppose. Um, but then he took us like up on the roof and on the roof of the museum, they have an area where they're cleaning the bigger stuff that, and there's like some, uh, it's like covered, but it's out, it's exposed to the outdoors and there's a whole yeah. cleaning area up there. So yeah, uh, it was kind of, kind of cool. And then, and then he takes us back down to the, the, the main cleaning area, which was like behind this glass where visitors could walk by the outside, but we're on the inside, right? Okay. Like behind the scenes and that's where he's like here's my desk over here and he pulls out these hard copies <laughs> lays them on his desk <laughs> it's like this is just so surreal right now we're in like a natural natural you know um history museum and looking at dinosaur bones and ninja turtles hard copies what toy line it, it was turtles though yeah it was turtles yeah he had like a kung fu a dinosaurs yeah, you know, they're all dino turtles. No, they weren't. He didn't have any dino turtles. No, I remember he had like an Irma and a Kung Fu Rocksteady and like a Deep Sea Leo. He only had a, he only had maybe half a dozen things, but um, oh, okay. But they they were pretty cool. But that was that was probably the sort of the craziest place we ever went. Unless you have another one. No, I just think the I mean story for me was it goes back to the mouse the rat poop story. Um, we were. <laughs> Um, under a house in up in Northern California and uh, digging around and uh, we knew that the, the person had some good stuff we'd bought some good stuff from from them before um, and you know he said oh, I got more boxes of stuff under the house I had no idea what's under there and we're, I mean it's it's like it's gross man it is like every box is like rat nests in it and like poop and it was uh, it was uh, it was it was we, we earned it that day we definitely earned it so we have to tell the funny part of the story <laughs> but we start pulling out boxes and the next thing you know um, we open up a, a box and we open up uh it was literally not, i think it was a plastic bag and it was a the original wax sculpt for the pandacon and it, it was the first one we pulled out out of, um, like literally out of this crawl space under a house like and again again talking about saving there's like like there was like literally rat poop in the box with oh, the original man. wax sculpt for pandacon and then we started pulling out like sculpt after sculpt this uh, is like one of those like again surprising moments where you're like i had no idea we were going to see anything what's under here and you're pulling yeah. out maybe some of the most amazing pieces you've ever seen and like had no clue that this yeah. was what we were going to be seeing that day. Then there was a total of what, like seven or eight, 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 waxes eight, eight original oh, wax skulls for like the early, like early like stuff. Really, really yeah. amazing stuff. Fugitoid slash metalhead. Oh, wow. Triceraton, mm -hmm. Pandacon, Usagi, Space Usagi, Scumbug. Scumbug. Oh, that's like, a huge haul. All these, they were all under this house. Like literally, in, in the crawl space is only like four foot high, so you're hunkering down like this, right? You can't even stand up in there. We found a, like a Kentucky Fried Chicken, like you know the, the tub where you get the chicken in, full of just like hard copy parts and like really? uh, wax sculpt parts. Again, just we had to like find. Okay, here's the head. 
oh, this box over here. Like, and they were, they were like all over the place and mix matched and we had to like piece stuff together. But um, for me, that was, that was probably the, I don't know if it was maybe like a, it's not like a strange location, but it was, it was strange that these things that were so incredible were in such a like terrible you know, yeah. condition. I was wondering, I, can, I got a question just about, see, I don't know the wax they use. I don't know how sturdy it is. So I, I know like it's delicate, but is there a way like having the rat proof in there with it could like, you know, kind of deteriorate it over time. It kind of like affected, like kind of rots. I think more temperature bit. conditions, obviously it would be, would be great. With, yeah, I mean, but I mean, if, it, if something got into it and we we're chewing on it, which is we've had that happen too. We've come across like, really incredible like package toys like when they're they're chewed up or they're you know insect yeah. infested stuff like that happens most of these were in like at least in a baggie or in one of those sculptor boxes so the, the waxes at least were mm -hmm. or they were wrapped in some bubble wrap so they were pretty they were pretty okay and those, those were inside a box so the box may have had like cat pee on the top but it didn't soak down into the inside you I know i was really picturing so. like actual rat pellets on the figures <laughs> yeah no no it wasn't like that they, they okay. were they were stored it wasn't like they were just thrown in a box and rats were literally crawling on them okay. um it's just like the outer boxes they were in so you know the whole place just looked you know obviously smaller but like the last seat of indiana jones which is boxes everywhere right <laughs> boxes and boxes and boxes and you know some of them you open up and it's just crap in them like like nothing like you know an old an old toaster and a clock and some Christmas ornaments and you know <laughs> the next one is you know like the PandaCon sculpt. <laughs> so it's, it's yeah, like crazy. A lot of times they, they'll close down like a, if they work in a studio yeah. or they had a desk somewhere, or whatever. They would basically like clear out their desks, whatever was in different drawers or on the desk or on a shelf. All just kind of went in a box. Like you got you know you got you get fired. You got to fill your banker box up with your desk and, yeah. and leave. I'm not saying that these guys were fired. I'm just saying like they clean it out like that kind of yeah, if you're moving yeah moving out type stuff and they would just throw, throw random things in boxes and we literally found parts of sculpts in with you know pens and, and desk stuff and whatever and we had to like match it up and you know yeah. find the rest of it in other boxes and stuff like that so there was no rhyme or reason to some of it which was uh again wild to come across no that, that's crazy and i know you said in the, the last interview we did that some of the wax sculpts don't exist anymore because they melted them down and made new wax sculpts out of them, right? They yeah, that can happen. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly ones that uh, that um, you know we don't know that exist still. I mean, we're pretty certain the the original the original four turtles from '88 those were done in twice up scale, and uh, we were told that those waxes actually got shipped to Playmates in Hong Kong. So, and those are probably long gone. Yeah. So those don't exist. You know, some of the early ones, you know, the other, the two studios that did it, Varner and Anaglyph. So I know some of those Anaglyph sculpts like surfaced like 15 years ago and got sort of got distributed through the collector community. And so they're, some of them are out there somewhere. I expect some of the ones I've never seen still exist somewhere. Somebody, some, you know, collectors got them squirreled away, some private person um, that doesn't yeah. want to, you know, show or share them has, has got some of these things from, especially the Anaglyph ones, but. Yeah, and some of them are probably just gone forever, you know. So yeah. you never know. But then, then suddenly it'll turn up. I mean, we had one that was like a, a guy I talked to, and he's like, "Ah, oh, I don't really have anything." And and then we were coming out here one time, and just coincidentally, he emails me out of the blue, like two weeks before coming out. He's like, "Hey, I got this storage unit I want to clean out. Like, I think I might have some stuff in there. Why don't you come out?" And we came out there, and sure enough, in that storage unit, the only the only uh, sculpt that guy had was the pizza face oh really it's like but it's like 
you know, that one was like not with any of the sculptors you thought it would have been with. It was just random like uh, business manager guy had it. And he was a sculptor, too, but he kind of turned into the business manager of that studio okay. in the end. And so, like, you know, it's like, well, there's the pizza face. You know, you never know. You might find somebody tomorrow pulls a box out of their closet like, oh, I forgot this was up here. And in there is one of these a sculpt or a hard copy you haven't seen or a paint master maybe that that, you know, had been missing or nobody had ever seen. Like, I've never seen a Monty Moose painted Monty Moose hard copy, for example. Cool. It's one of the ones right I would like. Yeah, it's like, I've never seen one. Yeah. This, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah probably somewhere. I mean, yeah. yeah, the pizza face sculpt was in a Chinese, clear Chinese plastic takeout container. <laughs> just laying in there, all by itself. No, no, like, anything around it to protect it, just right oh, in there. <laughs> I know you got that one because I know we were lucky enough to see that one in the last interview we yeah. did. Where you can yeah. the hat is like a separate piece, and you can see the the whatever that was his twin the brother. Head, yeah, <laughs> second head. Yeah, but I when you think about how fragile they were, how much they must have reused wax, and just the fact that like it's so hard to believe any of these survived. It's a miracle you can find a hall with like Scumbug and Fugitoid and Triceraton and all these figures wax sculpts in there. That's yeah, that is like you know that that is like just the the mother hall right there. That's like the yeah. Well, the, the fortunate <laughs> thing is, I think in particular for the turtles, I think maybe because they were a little bit later. I mean, the sculptors always like to keep their work, but a lot of them would keep it in a hard copy form. Like they'd make one for themselves. Like, okay, this is I sculpted this. I'm going to make a hard copy and I'm going to keep the hard copy. But for some reason, it seems like in the turtles line, even more so than maybe Star Wars or some of the other lines that sculpts are tough to come by like they really had this idea that like these need to be kept and so there's a lot of them that are kept i would guess i don't know what do you think percentage wise turtle sculpts still exist probably more than 50 percent yeah i'd say 60 ish 65 percent yeah a lot still exist more That's great. Videos, yeah so yeah cer certainly barter the stuff the the turtle east barter tended to do the turtle type figures and anglyph tended to do the other animals and the villains oh, okay so I think, yeah, from the Varner side, probably more like 78% of sculpts might still exist. But uh, Anaglyph, it's hard to tell because, like I said, those got sold by Anaglyph like 10, 15 years ago, and they just out into the world. But, you know, I've talked okay. to some people and seen some pictures of some of the ones, and so they're definitely out there. See, I never even knew it was two different studios. Like, I never would have known because they, they're so similar in the way they do the crazy detail and everything. But Yeah, the and there was also other random people that did contract work, you know. There was a yeah. studio in Cincy that did a couple figures. There was uh, some freelance guys that, you know, Varner and Anglyph would contract out to when they got too busy. Um, they're yeah. just, you know, just individuals that would, would do one or two here or there. So, um, but yeah, those two studios did the, like, 90% of them or contracted out. That um, time period was like the heyday for, you know, when people were still sculpting, you know, in wax and clays and stuff like that. When, prior to the move over to, like, CAD and... and uh, digital drawing and digital yeah. sculpting, they, they, that was like the heyday. So these guys had more work sometimes than they could handle. And yeah. they would, they would send it out to friends and other sculptors and people. Yeah. Contract. The freelance guys, you know, that like did work for all the toy companies. Yeah. It's understandable. I mean, when, when Playmates orders, like we need 80 new figures and accessories this year, it's like, <laughs> you got to get some outside help. You can't do it all. Right. Right. So, that's a great yeah. point too. The, the, all the accessories, they, the detail and, and, and work that went in just the accessories that we've seen, are almost as intricate and detailed as the figure themselves. And yeah, would probably right. take almost as much time and 
because it's again it's a smaller scale and it's so much you know there's most fine detail that that went into them um so yeah if you take that into account as well you're, ta and, you're talking astronomical and they're doing trek they're doing earthworm gym they're doing skeleton warriors they're doing yeah. toxic crusaders star uh, you trek. Know. they did star yeah, trek yeah they're doing all those lines all at once at some point right yeah um, darkwing duck you know was another oh, was one playmates. yeah 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 that was playmates they had some wrestling lines one year like yeah it was it was uh you know you take all that into account you're like wow they sculpted a lot of stuff during that oh, yeah. you know those two studios did a lot and playmates they never just stopped at just a, a really good sculpt like i think of the darkwing ones a lot of those figures like megavolt bushroot they look just like the characters on screen but then they they always worked in some crazy action features also like into yeah. the figures so like they were the masters at not only doing cool action figures uh, features, but not ruining the the look of the figure. The setting, yeah, yeah. Except for some of the mutations. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, the mutant turtles. Some of the mutations, I was like, ah, I kind of ruined the look. But yes, in general, you're right. I agree with you. They did yeah. a great job that for on that for the most part. I, I have, I mean, right above me, I have the whole the whole line of Earthworm Jim still sealed. I love those Earthworm Jim figures. Those sculpts were so crazy on those figures. So. Yeah. They're a little bigger than the turtles, but they were just as detailed and nuts. So. Mm -hmm. For sure. So, uh, so what's your favorite part of the whole journey? Like both of you guys, like what's your personal favorite part of the journey? Oh man, I, I you know when I look back at it and think of over time, it's really like the fact that I'm doing it with like some of my best friends in the whole world. You know, my yeah. wife comes along sometimes too, and I don't know. Maybe that sounds trite, but all I know is that like when i when i look through like rad plastic myself as a book the page i gravitate to is the end where i see the pictures of me and matt and gary and steven and melinda and the different sculptors and the people and like i have the memory of like you know you know one guy lived in big sur and he runs a yurt hotel like i mean you know, it's <laughs> like pulling into a yurt hotel and going to this guy's house that he has on site you know and driving all the way up and down the coast or you know going to cincinnati or wherever it is it's like the memories of of doing this is almost it's, it's definitely the highlight of the whole thing you know i yeah. mean yeah the memories of like pulling out a sculpt are really great memories but it's like really the people that in the end i think are, are um, what sticks with me that's cool the friends you make basically along the way yeah exactly i mean you know some of these guys that there's a few of them that I've met that like I would legit not I'm not talking to Gary I'm talking like the playmates people that worked for them or some of the studios that you know I'll just call and chat with once a month I just literally have become good friends of mine you know and That's awesome. just get along not everybody of course and it's probably it's only a small percentage of them but but uh, the ones I just connect with I just you know it's it's great it's like yeah this is I've made a new lifelong friend here in, in addition to you know having some some cool things I was able to put in my collection. Yeah, so. and we were talking earlier about the impact that all this stuff has and how much it means to a lot of people, but then it's even like outside of just being a fan and growing up with it and stuff, like it's brought so many people together. It's made a lot of good friendships and stuff, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah collecting does that, I think. I think that's, you know, if you're if you're collecting in a, in a void, I think you're doing it wrong. Like, um, oh, yeah. you know, uh, get out there, you know, meet people, go to conventions, get on groups. Uh, and I, I guess I say face to face is so much better than like, uh, you know, on, just online. Like whenever I travel for my day job, like I'll look around and see if there's any collectors I know in the area. It's like, Hey, you want to go get dinner tonight? You know, 
things yeah. like that. Or can I come over and see your see your you know collecting room or whatever? I mean, just getting together face to face. I really wish there was a huge convention for turtles. Like there's the Star Wars celebration. Yeah. Or like if the community would just pick somewhere, it's like, hey guys, Atlanta, you know, Dragon Con or whatever it is, is where we're gonna meet every year. Like that is the turtle place. It's not an official con, but it's our unofficial meeting place. And like start getting everybody to come out there. I don't know how to get that rolling, but I don't know. Eric love to have something like that going on where it's like there is a place where, you know, yearly they sort of congregate and meet face to face because so many people I know like, you know, chat with a lot. I've never met face to face. Eric and I were saying that when we, you know, many times in the past, like we can't believe with how big Turtles is that there's no designated Turtles con. Like there's there's Power Con for He-Man. There's Mighty Morphicon for, for Power yeah. Rangers and everything. There's nothing for Turtles. No sense. Celebration. Yeah. Other than that, that one in Connecticut or wherever that guy does the celebration, but oh, it doesn't feel true. like it's that big. He's not no. like it's not power. Not like, it needs to be like Nickelodeon run, right? Like, like Nick yeah. needs to do it, or or yeah, something. I don't know. Somebody, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised too. I wish there was one because I would love to go there. Yeah, I, I guess the, the the whole scene has to come together. The guy from Old Turtle Den has to talk to playmates and talk to Viacom, and everyone's got to decide to make it happen. But yeah, uh, it's up to the fans, I guess. But uh, yeah, that that's yeah, like all. I said, we could just all pick one. We could yeah. go, hey, this one's you know, this is the one, whatever that happens to be, and it's so much of a con for something else. We're and like hijack. just descend on it every year, right? We're gonna hijack Dragon Con. But Dragon Con, yeah. I have to say, from what I've seen, I've ever been to it. They have the best cosplay. Yes, like, I've like, been to it a couple times. Yes, the cosplay is insane. <laughs> yeah. That's more a game. That probably wouldn't be the right choice because there's not a it's more of a gaming convention, so there's not like a lot of toy dealers. You'd want to pick one that had a lot of toy dealers at it. Yeah. You know, people want to go and buy stuff too, and you want the toy dealers there, but I don't know yeah. what it would be. I don't know, not a big time guy. Yeah, not a big con guy. I, I can definitely understand where you're coming from with the experience of buying it, though, because there's been times with, you know, like like Super 7 like back there. Like you just you pre-order the wave. It comes in the mail. You put it on a shelf. You forget about it. It's like I love looking at them, but there's something different about actually going out in the wild to a convention or a toy store or something and talking with the, the guy there and getting to know him and buying it in person. I have friends who will be with me and they're like, you know, you can get that cheaper on eBay. I'm like, I know, but I'm always going to remember this have experience. Have an experience here, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. So I, I 100% I thought, agree. like, the difference between, like, shopping and collecting. You know, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not disparaging shopping type style, but I'm just saying, like, the shopping is just, like you said, it's like, I go, I buy it, it shows up, I put it on a shelf. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fine. And if, that, if you enjoy that, that's great. I do that for some things. But I just feel like there's a deeper level that I really Absolutely. more about collecting where it's like that. Like there's a story here, whatever it is. I went to a con, I ran by this guy in this booth and he dug it out of a box underneath or, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. Or I was, you know, with my buddy and we went to this random toy shop and we found this thing. And, you know, those are the ones I really like. I, I love when the collection has a story behind it yeah. rather than, you know, you just come and look at this. And Cause then when somebody, when I go to somebody's house and see their things or when they come to mine, like, that's what I want. I want to go, where did you get that? Tell me, tell me about this, you know? Yeah. And if your whole thing is, well, I bought it, I got on eBay and I put it up there. I'm like, okay, well, yeah. not real, not real great. Uh, you know, interesting other than to look at it, but you add that yeah. depth of it's cool. It's fun to look at. And let me tell you the story about how I got it. Like, yeah, that's it's just not just bragging rights. It actually means something to you. Yeah. It means something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And what about you, Gary? What's your favorite part of the hunt? I would say I would, I'm going to piggyback off what Chris said because we actually had this conversation somewhat 
during this this trip. Um, it was basically kind of like, what's the end game for your collection, right? So, look, everybody collects for a different reason, and everybody uh, collects different things and in different ways. Uh, but like, when's like you know, we talk about like when's the right time to like maybe you know part with your collection or like you know because I, mean, I have kids, um, they don't want any of my stuff. You know, they don't want any of my like dad's toy junk. And and uh, but again, I, I I I do it for the experiences, and I sometimes associate. A, a certain piece with a, you know, kind of in the line of what we're talking about, like a, a time and experience, a trip, uh, a meeting with somebody. So like I collect and save things more for that versus any other reason. I kind of, uh, I'm not a completist in any sense. I kind of have random kind of things that I really enjoy owning because I remember acquiring them. I remember a, a, uh, you know, a good time with friends or, or a cool experience. Um, so that I, I think I'll have a harder time, I think, parting with things or letting yeah, things go too. because of that connection. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they all mean something to me nostalgia wise. Again, like we you know, what, why do we collect? You know, everybody has yeah. their own kind of like, you know, thought behind that. But I think a lot of it's nostalgia. Uh, a lot of it's, you know, kind of um, that, you know, that collector mentality, whether you either have it or you don't. If you have other people are like, why do you collect all this shit? Like, I, like the people like want to like get rid of everything. We're like, you know, we're trying to like acquire more yeah. junk all the time. You could buy a Louis Vuitton purse with that. Exactly. Yeah. So people equate that to like, yeah, the other things that they could spend. <laughs> they could money spend on, it on. Right? Yeah. So they just yeah. a lot of people don't understand why we do what we do, right? So, but um, I think that that's probably my favorite part. Is the, again, is the connection with people, the experiences. Um, obviously, I love the like kind of modern day treasure hunt behind you know kind of our trips and what we do and 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 digging through you know you know boxes and and unearthing you know treasure and, and modern. Uh, toy treasure and, and and that's for me I think is my favorite part but it has to be it's not the stuff you know it's yeah. the experience and it's the connection with, with the different people and um, you kind of just going on these adventures for me yeah. that's awesome absolutely because I mean a lot of as collectors you know obviously we're on totally different planes of collecting but as collectors like people like me and people like you guys like a lot of times we are just getting stuff and Every now and then you, you take that moment where you stop and you do separate in your head what what it has value and what is just stuff. Yeah, and exactly. for, for me, the vintage like turtles is oh never gonna just be stuff. That's always got value. And you know, that's what I started doing on YouTube was just making these videos. I didn't think anyone would care about them. I mean, I'm not a huge YouTuber, but they're my most popular videos where I just I just go over each figure from each year and I don't talk about how rare it is or how much it costs or any of this. I talk about, Hey, when I was a kid, I remember getting this and I lost it in a pool and all these stupid stories about my childhood with each figure. And I get comments all the time from people saying like, I, I can't wait for you to do more of these. Like I, I love hearing these stories and they tell me their stories yeah. and I start hearing all their personal connections. And that's really what makes collecting, you know, important is like what, the memories we have attached to them. So if, exactly. You know, if you just have a bunch of stuff with nothing attached to it, then it's like, I just have stuff. Even it's if it's stuff, all, right. yeah. yeah. All it's like no different than my silverware drawer. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, it's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. exactly. It looks like Raphael. I love Raphael, but I have no connection to it. So it's I like this Raphael someday <laughs> might get sold. Whereas like the vintage one won't. So there's, there's some like, uh, silverware utensil collector out there that's going to listen to this and go, you guys don't understand. Yeah, don't get it. You, you don't understand spoon collecting. You can't get it. three prongs on it. Don't you get it? <laughs> you can't get the cheap new stuff. It's not actually silver. You got to get the real silver well, stuff. Because... There is a thing for like antique spoon collecting. I know. Yeah, I mean, you might have a connection to it. Maybe their grandma served dinner yeah, with exactly. these, like, really mm -hmm. specific types of What is of the spoon? history behind? Whatever it is. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, as humans, we're all about the story, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Oh. We all have our own thing, whether it's baseball cards or spoons or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles action exactly. figures. We all have <laughs> we all have those things that we just look at them and they just instantly remind us of a, a fun story in our head or a nice warm cozy story in our heads so, uh, uh speaking of kind of like what we were talking about there with the end game though not necessarily the end game but just in the future are there any pieces you're like really hoping to find like are there certain grails turtles or not i guess we're talking about turtles right now but you could say anything if it's not turtles uh, that like you're just really dying to find like this specific thing like you you know it's out there or even if you don't know it's out there is there something that like you would love to be pleasantly surprised by finding out that it exists i think for me for turtle wise i think um uh i, I know that i've seen images of it the the sculpt for mutagen man i know that it's it's there's images of it i have certain pieces of mutagen man stuff that i would love to uh, I would love to see that piece surface, though. I'd like to see the original wax skull for that turn up. But I, I don't have high hopes for it. Like it's an anaglyph sculpt, and, it, and who knows where that stuff is. But that's yeah. something I would love. Of all the turtle stuff, I'd love to see that turn up. I wonder how that wax sculpt was done because he's transparent, most of him, like the right. middle. So is it just a solid like piece of wax that's shaped like the body? Yeah, so I've seen images of there's 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 are there's a there's a one image of the like kind of front of the sculpt that's out there. Um, we can send it to you if you know if you, you know if you want to include it in the show. But um, okay. the yeah, right I have a hard copy front and back, and um, and that's yeah, that's solid. So that would mimic what the what the sculpt would be because they would have they would have casted that and they would have uh, you know poured hard copy. So it's a it's a hollow shell, uh, you know, two hard copy half that kind of goes together. Um, but it, it's obviously the, the shape of, you know, the outer shape, but I think when they did the actual toy, they just shot it in clear plastic, you know, to, to be able to see the, the insides of them. Yeah. So. That, that would be an awesome find. I think mutagen man was like a fan favorite for most of us because, uh, yeah. just such yeah. a unique figure. So absolutely. Yeah. So that's, that's one for me. I'd like to see turn up. Awesome. I'll, I'll give you two, one that almost certainly does not exist and one that probably has a possibility of existing. Uh, the one that has a possibility is, um the metal mutant bebop so mm -hmm. i have the armor for it like you know all the armor pieces that come off and turn into the spirit animal or whatever yeah but i do not have the figure so oh, okay. i would love to have that figure i have the rock steady the full thing the figure and the armor oh, wow. which was unproduced but not the bebop so if that figure ever turned up i don't know where where it would be it's probably not very likely but has a shot the one that almost certainly doesn't exist i would love to have the model for the pop can racer Oh, <laughs> know about that unproduced toy, but yeah. it's supposed to be uh, literally put a soda can in the back and shake it up and put it in the back, and then the thing would puncture it and that would send it flying, which is like a fantastic idea for a kid Mom's and a favorite. horrible idea for a parent, right? And who's spending the money? It's not the kid, so uh, it never got made. But I just, as my toy engineering background, just loved that idea. And can so you I'm, imagine though? Uh, can you imagine asking your mom as a little kid, like, "Hey, come on, can yeah. we got a new six pack of, of uh, cokes?" She's like, well, "Like, okay, it's like, no, I'm not gonna gonna spew, it. Yeah, I want to spray it all over the house with my toy." Yeah, like, not only the mess that it makes, but you're literally buying your kid soda just to run the thing, right? We but, should yeah. do what's the Mentos? And you know, <laughs> the Mentos, we should, we should Mentos, Mentos, Mentos and, like soda, rocket, Abby. Uh, uh, if you had a dog, they'd be licking the carpet where it was yeah. and the walls and everything. But, My mom didn't even let me get gack because she said it was going to get all over the walls and leave stains and stuff, which it did in other kids' houses. So yeah. good, good on her. We have photographs of that prototype, but I seriously doubt it exists. Uh, I believe it was made in Hong Kong at Playmates headquarters. And 
um, you know, spaces that are premium in that city. And so stuff doesn't tend to be just stored away and kept. They yeah. just pitch stuff because the real estate's too expensive to just keep warehouses or full of things. So unless some random employee just kind of loved it and took it home and put it in their closet, it's almost certainly gone. Or maybe they sold it to somebody, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Back in the day, though, that's kind of stuff nobody, you know, it was just yeah, it was just material that was used to get to the final thing. Nobody thought about it as being something that would be collectible or valuable. It was just part of the yeah. process, you know. And nobody had value for brand new turtle toys at that time, anyway. So it's like no one right. who was buying that sort of stuff. So right, so it's probably gone. But I, oh man, I would love to find that piece. Well, I'm I'm holding out hope that one day you guys will get into a basement. And you'll find the wax figure of Mutagen Man seated on the prototype. But then if it comes like that, we'll have to leave it like that. So we'll have to fight over who gets the whole package. He's full of like old stale Pepsi inside the clear. <laughs> it'll be uh it'll be crystal Pepsi for uh, circa yeah, 1993. Yeah, I like it. Exactly. That stuff was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it just regular Pepsi, just without the the, the sludge color? Uh, no, tasted different. Yeah, oh, I, did, yeah. I, I do remember that though. Holy crap! I said I liked it as a kid because it was different, and you just like anything that's different as a kid. Sure, so. right. <laughs> it felt more refreshing, even though it probably wasn't. The Sprite Pepsi's. <laughs> and uh, I guess we kind of already touched on this, but I'm kind of curious. How much do you like? How much would you say, like percentage wise? You know, obviously, you don't know this is just an educated guess, but how much would you think is still out there that hasn't been discovered as far as prototypes go? Oh, I think probably most of it has been. Um, you know, we had, I would say, two or maybe you could say even two and a half like major, major finds. That first one Gary talked about in the basement, um, another one which was, um, a major playmates uh, marketing person that was around for a long, long time. He had a ridiculous amount of stuff. And then um, one other guy has probably, you know, the third, third level, not nearly as much as the first two. I um, mean, then everybody else we've talked to, it's like you know, smattering of things here or there, generally, you know, a couple things, a few sketches of a hard copy or two, or, you know, whatever packaging materials or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I would be shocked at this point if there was any like massive new source of stuff where just somebody comes out and it's like, oh, I've got, you know, these 20 bins are all full of turtles prototype yeah. stuff. That would really shock me. I think we've sort of talked to all the people that that might be. In the U.S. anyway, I think the possibility US. would be if there's some type of like giant stash. Giant stash in, gonna... in Asia, yeah, yeah. in yeah. China. I, I agree. That would be the only place that if some, but you know, I've talked to people at playmates in, in China and they tell me, you know, none of that stuff's around, you know, yeah. um, it was all trash, but who knows, you know, maybe, you know, the company officially trashed it, but some employee just grabbed a bunch of it and threw it. Could be, I doubt it, but yeah, I think, so my guess would be to put a number on it. Probably 90% of the stuff it is, is at least, no, it's not out in the collecting community yet. There are still people we know that have lots of things that they're not selling. Yeah, yeah but um, at least, you know, what we know is out there and where it is in, in addition to what the collectors have, it's probably 90%. Okay. So, yeah, and I would say, like, if you if you told me, well, if you say what's how much stuff is in collector's hands out of all of it, that's probably 70%. 
So there's a good deal of stuff that people still have that just aren't selling yet. There's quite yeah. quite a bit. Um, uh, but no, I agree. I think the idea is we, we have a pretty good idea. I mean, doing this for as long as we've been doing it, I have a pretty good idea on like where things are, what things are still valuable or exist at least, and and uh, and then, yeah, there's there's still always those question mark pieces. Like we, we kind of talk about a couple of them. <laughs> they could be out there, maybe you know, but yeah. um, hopefully they turn up. But I think percentage wise, I think Chris is pretty accurate with with his numbers. You know? Yeah, there's always like the, the people you can't find. I mean, there's several people I'm like, man, this would be a great lead, I think. You know, not like have 20 bins full, but like could really have some great stuff and might have, you know, 10 things that are astounding, but I can't find them, you know? Yeah. Like tried, you know, especially people with common names, you know, like Mike Jones, like, oh my God, how am I going to find a Mike Jones, right? <laughs> yeah. Like from 30 years ago that lived in LA, like that's almost impossible unless you get some kind of, somebody that stayed in contact with that person and can help you find, you know, already knows where they're at almost yeah. impossible, but you know, but there's other ones, even, you know, more uncommon. I just can't find them. Several sculptors. I cannot find, um, you know, never been able to talk to them. Um, you know, a couple, a couple executives from playmates back in the day that I, you know, either can't find or won't talk to me. So it's like, well, could they have some stuff in their basement? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, you know, there's maybe one or two executives that could have some stuff squirreled away that could be a fairly substantial thing that, like, they, they just, you know, refuse to. There's a couple guys who just refuse to talk to anybody. I think they're just older and they're like, I don't care. Like, why why are you bothering me? That kind of. <laughs> like, yeah, I could see it. Like, you know, that's just something but that you do with personality her. probably also didn't keep anything. You know what I probably, mean? Probably, yeah. So it's like, if they're like, I don't even want to talk about this crap, they probably didn't keep anything, right? <laughs> like, yeah. They, if they, they just do that. I left that behind business we did 30 years ago. I don't think they care. Yeah. So. Right. Exactly. So, well, if you guys ever do find this amazing hall in Asia and you find all these, these rarities and stuff, I'm hoping you remember the party wagon podcast and you come here first to talk yeah, about we'll it. Back. <laughs> you can do that. You guys mind if I do some questions outside of the realms of realm of turtles? Sure. So I just wanted to ask, I think I know probably your both your number ones, but, uh, what are just out of curiosity? What are your favorite toy lines of all time? Star Wars, Star Wars, yeah, Star Wars. I knew you were Star both going to say Star Wars. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, you know, I, number two, I'd probably put a tie between Turtles and Darkwing. Okay. I really like the Darkwing Duck line. Um, what was your number two? Do you have a number two? No, Is there I, a number two? Uh, yeah, no, I think Turtles would be number two. Okay. Just because I mean, how much interest I have in it, how much I've, you know gotten into it in the past five, six years. I, if I'm being completely, you know, transparent, I really didn't play with this stuff as, as a kid. I was kind of, uh, kind of, you know, kind of grew out of toys by the time Turtles was coming around, but I know my, my younger cousins and family members had, had played with it and stuff like that. But once I started getting into, um, you know, this project with Chris, I found a great appreciation for the line. And I think again, more because of the people that we started meeting that worked on it and that like kind of sparked, you know, that appreciation and interest in it for me. That's awesome. So the, uh, I, yeah, I know you said the same thing in our last interview that like turtles wasn't really something you grew up with. Like you watched the cartoon, but you didn't really like, you weren't like super into turtles. Growing yeah. Up. I was past boys, but you know, I, I kept watching cartoons well into my college years, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but yeah, I was certainly beyond toys playing with toys at that time, but yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I know the dark, yeah, like, dark I watched, you know, like Darkwing was on when I was in college. <laughs> right. Yeah, watch 
I'd do my homework, college homework, and watch Darkwing Duck. And turtles would come on sometimes too. So I just, you know, I just that would be like running in the background as I was doing my calculus homework. Right? You missed the whole concept of college, man. <laughs> <laughs> you got to do homework sometimes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> While watching Darkwing Duck. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's awesome. But uh, hey, I mean, that's kind of commonplace now. It's weird because I, I know like when I was growing up, like, you know, adults would kind of frown on someone college age watching cartoons, but like, Everyone does it now. No one cares now. So yeah. The world is changing. Well, they make lots of cartoons for adults now, too. And I think yeah, that kind true. of just broke the stigma in general. Yeah. That's definitely true. I think I think there's even a lot of like kids' cartoons that are made with written for, for adults and then kind of they see how they can dumb it down for kids. Like, how can we put this on a joke or two in there? Right. Yeah. A little, little so. strange for the parents. Which I guess kind of happened and started in the 90s. A lot of the jokes like Animaniacs and stuff was written more for adults. And then like yeah. they figured out how they can make it digestible for kids afterwards. Uh, but are there any toy lines you guys want to get into like this? Like deep dive into that you haven't so far? Like any ones that really spark your interest? Not to jump out. Not really. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, mean, I, I played with a lot of the stuff as a kid, with like GI Joe and Thundercats and and all that. But it's not nothing really interests me as much as like I don't have as much of a nostalgic connection with any other toy line except for like really you know primarily Star Wars is like where my heart is. Um, and now again, this stuff because of you know the recent um, you know the, the, these recent quests that we've been on have have sparked that. But um, not really, I don't really have the urge. I have I have pieces here and there for other toy lines, like say like the like the LJ and Wrestler stuff. Some Remco monster stuff, some, some, you know, more obscure toy lines that I have individual pieces of that, again, I acquired during a trip or during a, uh, you, know, a um, you know, some type of, we were looking for other things and they popped up, but nothing that I would go out and seek yeah. intentionally and try to find. Okay. Yeah. So there's no chance of like a deep dive of uh, what Cowboys of Moo Mesa at any point. <laughs> well, we, <laughs> we did we did go visit ryan brown so and uh, that's his that was his ip so yeah. which he, he recently sold to nacelle oh uh, yeah Nacelle now has the cowboys of moo mesa you will see more cowboys of moo mesa yes so okay. i don't know what they're doing with it but they're they're picking up all kinds of licenses they picked like barnyard commandos up and sec cars and all yeah steel, max yeah. steel or whatever and so yeah they're who knows maybe we'll see some more cowboys of moo mesa toys or maybe so but i know premium dna just did a, a line of uh Barnyard Commandos, and they look they look nice actually. They're pretty good quality. Yeah, yeah. I think those were all done through Nacelle um, in some kind of partnership. Yeah, because we were, we were out at visiting them last time we were out here. We went we went over to see Brian Volkweis over there at Nacelle. They're the guys that did the toys that made us on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, and we were there, and he's like, "Here's the Barnyard Commando prototypes." And he was they were really cool. I'm like, I don't want to collect these, but I'm like, these are really cool. Yeah, uh, they were weird. Oh, they got uh, biker mice too. Oh, biker mice from Mars, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I brought this up on the podcast, I think like a few episodes ago or something. I don't remember when it was, but I've never met anybody who confirms that this toy line existed, but I remember it coming out in the early 90s. Have you guys ever come across anything for Snailians? Never heard of it, never heard except of it. I remember you mentioned it on the podcast a couple episodes back. Okay, so Not it's still... Slow. <laughs> That's pretty <Yeah>. slow. <laughs> It's still lost to time. So yeah, I think they're like, what's that? Doesn't sound very exciting to play with. They were like snail toys. Snail race car set riding over too well. <laughs> I never had one, but I remember the they were really, make it. 
Buffed the parents love it. Like, here's your snails. Yeah. Go play for Go play five your, hours. Your quiet snail toys. <laughs> Go race them. No cheating with salt. Just, just race yeah, for yeah. them. <laughs> Oh, the jokes! Yeah, salt man is the evil enemy. There's a reason why those guys are But everything's coming back now. I mean, I never—if you told me Barnyard Commandos was going to come back, I mean, Boss Fight Studios did Bucky O'Hare toys and stuff. <laughs> like, if you told me that stuff like that, like Clay Fighter, I mean, I love Clay Fighter. That's coming back. If you told me any of that stuff was coming back, just like two years ago, I would have told you were crazy. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, speaking of stuff like, you know, premium DNA and boss fight, uh, I just want to ask, do you guys have any interest in the modern action figure scene or are you really just all vintage? Are you more interested in the impact and like the legend legacy of the vintage stuff? Uh, I like seeing it. You know, that's, that's one of the, the great things about like, you know, some of the local guys, when I go over to their house and see their collections, I get to see all this stuff that I don't collect myself, which is always fun. Right. So I, I enjoy it. I don't have any desire to collect it other than, I do have a couple prototypes from the modern stuff just oh, yeah. for fun. Um, yeah, I have a few pieces here and there that I was either gifted or, or bought. I have a couple um, Aprils and some um, loyal subjects, a couple of those. But yeah, not really. I mean, if it's if it's a dozen I'd, pieces, I'd be surprised. Okay. Yeah, I know you have your April collection. The, the modern stuff kind of uh, reinforces the survival of the entire franchise, right? So I think right. they've seen continued product continued toys continue you know of the license is going to um you know just kind of make sure that the the vintage stuff the stuff that we're that we're more into um is going to maintain its stay value relevant. and stay relevant yeah. yeah so i think that's more for me that's how i look at you know i can i continue to see you know, turtle products i know that like that line that, that line's still alive and there's still fans that are that are out there looking to you know keep it going and um so for me that's that's what the modern means yeah i mean pretty much for me as well, that's the way I look at it. Is like I go to you know Target and Walmart, and I see they make these little skateboarding turtles and all this stuff, and it's like I'm not buying it, but I'm looking at it. I'm like, cool, kids still like this stuff, and like right. people still like this stuff, and they're still pushing it and they're keeping it relevant, and that's going to make people continue to care about the stuff that you guys are preserving and everything. So right. exactly. generations to come, like same with Star Wars, like Star Wars is still relevant, right? It's yeah. not going away. I think Turtles is is, is probably a close second to. You know that franchise, as far as longevity and you know relevance, where it's it's still uh, it's, it's it's still important to people. You know, young and old people that play with it as kids, and, and now like our kids. Yeah, 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 definitely. Because yeah, I mean, generational. Star Wars is really the one that invented. Like, I wasn't alive for that. Uh, I was born into like the Thundercats era, Thundercats, Silverhawks, that kind of stuff. But like, Star Wars is really like where it started. Like the the big action figure collectible craze. So that must have been awesome to, to be in that while it was happening. Yeah, definitely. I can't imagine. And did either of you guys get into like He Man or? I was 100 Star Wars. Yeah, like okay. I didn't care about any other toy line. The only other toys we had in our house were um, I know the Legos. Every kid had Legos, but it was Transformers. Yeah. That's because my brother, younger brother, liked them, but. They were never mine. Like the only thing I had was Star Wars. With Transformers, there's still a scene for Transformers, but yeah, yeah, they're another enduring franchise. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. And what, what about you, Gary? Did you get into? I know you said you got into GI Joe, but yeah. So I think my my, my childhood was was primarily Star Wars, uh, Transformers, GI Joe. They were like the three. I never really, and I don't recall ever having anything He Man. Um, I did Thundercats as well, but not as much. But yeah, I, I'd say. You know, all the stuff that went to yard sales when I uh, when I got out of toys was primarily Star Wars and GI Joe. Oh, okay. Sure. So, 
Some lucky collector owns all that stuff. Oh, yeah, it's all on somebody's collection somewhere. And did you always have, like, the collector bug? Like, say, like, back then there was – I'm not super, super – please excuse me with my lack of Star Wars knowledge. I'm not super in, involved with the toy line. I don't, I don't you know. You say a Star Trek character's name right now. We're going to have a problem. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not that much okay, of a – Okay, all right. I really okay. like I'll the just, Warp, <laughs> your favorite character, Gary. I absolutely love the Star Wars movies, the original trilogy, um, but I, I don't. I never, like, collected the toy line and stuff. Yeah. So I believe there's a rocket-firing Boba Fett figure. That's like yes. one of the rarest. Or if that's that's probably rare. probably the rarest and most well, not the rarest. He's not that rare, but the most okay. expensive toy prototype probably ever. Yeah, but, but there, there's he's not rare. There's there. I mean, yeah, in the sense of it's not production levels, but there's close to a hundred of those known to exist. Okay, because I yeah, remember so. years ago, like probably like a decade ago, seeing a video and someone's like, no one even knows if this truly exists and stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that's all just yeah, yeah. I, i've found in my my collecting days i think i've found five of them in the wild oh okay so um including the like two painted ones hand painted ones and, and chris is an old school star wars yeah. uh prototype tracker downer hunter yeah and uh so that's he's 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 well trained in the in the arts of toy hunting through the star wars yeah yeah i'm just his padawan in the way of jedi yeah yeah so. It's like I've been doing this almost 30 years, mm -hmm. tracking down prototypes and employees and going and buying stuff and visiting them. It's yeah, it's like I started like 94. Okay, so, so you st you started doing this stuff the year I stopped playing with Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like 94, late 94, early 95, I think I started. Um, okay. You know, so it's like, yeah, it's been almost 30 years I've been doing this. That's awesome. And like, did you always feel that collector bug? Like when you were a kid and you saw that Boba yeah. Fett in the magazine or whatever, you were like, I need that. And when you didn't find it, it drove you crazy. Or were you just kind of like, you I was always the type, like, like I was never, whenever I went to the store, my mom was going to buy me something. I always wanted one. I didn't have because <laughs> I wanted to have them all. You yeah. know, I would never buy a second stormtrooper. I would never do that. I wouldn't buy, you know, you know, whatever. Um, um, so I was always looking for, you know, what's the new one here? Which one do I want? And so I pretty much had, as a kid, I had almost, I had all the Star Wars, all the Empire, and about half the Jedi. And that's kind of when I started getting out of toys. Okay. Um, but I had every figure up through like the first wave of Jedi for sure as a kid. So cool. yeah, I was always the collector type. But I'd saved the card backs and, you know. Oh, okay. You were an extra level than me. I didn't save the card backs, but I didn't like army build foot soldiers and stuff. Like if I went to the store and they had foot soldier and scumbug, and I didn't have scumbug. I wanted scumbug. I didn't want the foot soldiers. Yeah. I was always like that, but I, I ripped those packages open. <laughs> yeah. oh, what about you, Gary? Were you always the collector type or did that develop? I, I think so. I think it was in my genes. I grew up getting drugged to every yard sale and flea market and stuff. So my, my mom owned an antique shop uh, for years. So that kind of like, collecting and and uh you know trading buying reselling type of like thing was always part of you know part of my G my dna so yeah but the I, as long as i can remember i was always like uh you know collecting something whether you know it would constantly change until i think my got into my 20s and i you know just i, I missed the star wars you know toys that i had as a kid and i started reacquiring them and that's when it, you know that's when that all started back up again and i was I haven't looked back since then yeah that's cool yeah like like i said obviously i've never been on the level of collecting of you guys but there was always something i mean when i got out of collecting ninja turtles then i wanted to collect darkwing duck and then when that stopped then my brothers got into collecting marvel cards and there was goosebump books and all this stuff like, there's yeah, always exactly. collections yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah, me too. 
it's definitely, I guess, just like we're we're just a, there's just a type of person out there that just loves collections. Right. Yeah, it's, in, it's in you or it's not, and it's just, it's just that simple, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. That's the best you can explain it. Either you're a collector or you're not. Uh, yeah. People get it or they don't. Yep. And uh, for people who do, like people who are interested in what you guys do, because not a lot of people talk about prototype collecting. Everyone talks about NECA collecting and all that stuff. Uh, for people who are into the stuff you guys do, what do you have like any plugs you can give of cool places where you where you guys, little communities you guys have, anything you can promote? Yeah, there's, well, there's a, there's a Ninja Turtles prototype group on Facebook. That's where a lot of us sort of, you know, congregate and talk. It's not super active, but... When somebody posts something new or cool, it's like all of a sudden there's a flurry of activity, you know. But it's, uh, I think it's just uh, TMNT prototype collectors. So if you just do a search for that group, you find it there. Um, there's a vintage uh, Ninja Turtles collectors group also that I run that is more based on just the general production stuff. But a lot of times prototype stuff is posted and shown about in that one as well. But I'd say if you really want to learn, first of all, get rad plastic because if you want to understand this i explain what all these things are these terms we're talking about and throwing out here with yeah. you hard copy and paint master all this like if, you, if you're listening to this podcast you're like i don't know what they're talking about <laughs> well you know the book will explain it and then uh you know join the prototype group and that's where I, I i mean when people go to sell stuff that's where it gets posted first i think in that group it's like this community of like okay we know the people here you know the people that are interested in in collecting this stuff are here. So we usually, you know, sort of like a courtesy post there first before sometimes it goes out to other groups or eBay or wherever. So um, yeah, if you're interested in buying stuff and collecting this stuff, that's the place to go for sure. If you just want to learn about it and see cool pictures of things that, you know, that's a yeah, uh, place too. Yeah. And, and for people who aren't necessarily into the prototype collecting, um, whether it's because they just don't know about it or they're intimidated and they think it's gonna cost too much, whatever. There's there's like ranges just like there are with like regular action right. figure collecting of like ways you can get into like the prototype or pre-production um, collecting. Um, even if you just want to have a couple pieces as part of your collection, there's there's a price range that you know will you know be accommodating to basically everybody who's who's in, who wants to get into it. Um, yeah. yeah, there's there's super high end stuff that's that's that, that's expensive, but there's really nothing that's more expensive than what people are spending on like a package scratch or a package. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's cheaper than a package yeah. So yeah. So then you can get something that's, you know, maybe there's only a handful that exists that are, you're going to be less, less of a, a cost than say something that there's thousands of, you know, whether, right. and I get that there's, um, you know, the, the popularity of certain characters and rarity. And, um, but there's nothing more rare than these pre-production pieces or prototype pieces. If you have an interest in that, some people it's just not their thing. No, I don't, I don't want, you know, some piece of like, you know, tan plastic or tan resin. I want a cool <laughs> package that, you know, and the art is bright and, um, but that, you know, whatever you're into, but like, just, I, I want to tell people, don't be scared off by like, you know, thinking it's you know, a prototype game is something I can't even touch because of, of pricing. It's, that's not the case. So check it out if you're interested and uh, I'll reach out to Chris or I, and well, we, there's stuff that, you know, that we have that can get you started if you're interested and, in, in, uh, cool stuff that, um, you know, again, is, is pretty affordable. Yeah. Another oh. thing I'll say is, um, you know, it's like, uh, just think through as a collector, like, wh what is it you really want to collect? You know, it's like people say, oh, I can't afford a thousand dollar thing. But yet a lot of people, you know, are spending 50 bucks every two weeks on whatever and NECA super seven figure. And that's fine. If that's what you love, do it. But, um, you know, if you're like, oh, I really want one of these. Well, you know, save that 50 bucks every two weeks. And in six months, you could have enough to buy, you know, one you know, thousand dollar piece for, and I'm not sure. saying just necessarily prototypes, but that's like high end mint on card stuff or a boxed item or whatever. It's like, 
don't ever think that something's out of range. It's it's, it's only around out of range to the measure of your patience to save up for it, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, it's like yes, you're not going to be getting a, a you know that collector hit, you know, like like a yeah. drug hit, you know, every week going to Walmart. You're going to have to be patient and you know delay that. And but man, when that six months is over and you get that piece that's like ooh, like way better, whatever whatever it what it does for you, you know, whether it's a prototype or or something else, you know, it's like. You know, try that once rather than you know buying little things. It's like I always preach. You know, people say, "Well, what's your like number one collecting advice?" I'm like, quality over quantity all the time. Like yeah. that's my main number one piece of advice: buy the best things you can buy. And if that takes patience and time, develop patience. You know, and and do that because in the long run, you know, we don't. None of us are taking this with us in the long run, or you know, uh, those things are going to hold their value better. If you had an emergency, you know, where you needed to get some funds, you got a car wreck or a health thing, you know, and you needed, you know, two grand, it's a lot easier to sell two pieces and, you know, higher end pieces and get that than it is to go try to sell, you know, a, you know, $130 pieces. Yeah, you know, exactly. like, uh, so, you know, there's a lot of advantages to, to always going for the best things you can get and, and, and having the highest quality you can get. But also, I'm like, none of that says, don't collect what you love just for the sake of that. Number one yeah. is collect what you love. But when you're looking at that, like, I love this, I love this, I love this, I love this. Now you go, okay, well, between these four, my second level criteria is what's the best quality? What's the thing that's going to hold yeah. its value? I could liquidate if I had a family emergency, you know, um, and uh, it's going to, you know, stand the test of time a little more. So, yeah, and it's definitely, I, I think there's a lot of truth in what you're saying about how, there's times where you are just getting like, you know, NECA Super 7 like every week, every month or something. And it, it kind of just becomes, you know, business as usual. You don't even get excited when it happens. Like you get like a little slight bit of dopamine when you pick one up. But uh, like when I got, you know, Scratch and Hotspot and stuff, like when I bought those guys, I set up like a payment plan, obviously, where I'm you know going to pay like about that a month. But honestly, I'm still so much happier having those than I am with my entire wall of NECA stuff. Yeah. So, like, yeah. What, what I tell people is, is what I think you should do is try a little bit of everything. Yeah. Try. I mean, try some modern figures, try some vintage loose, get a couple mint on cards, even the cheaper ones. That's fine. Yeah. Get a prototype, get whatever, get, you know, random turtles, oddball stuff like bubble baths, whatever, put it all in your room. And then over the course of like six months, intentionally notice what thing you're looking at the most yeah that thing is the thing you probably want to be collecting the things sure. you're ignoring yeah, yeah. like so if you go into your room and every time like oh these mint on cards i just love the artwork then why are you collecting loose sell the yeah. loose and collect the mint on cards because obviously if it's, it's the prototype like oh my god that's so amazing i just can't keep my eyes off of it well then collect that you know it's like figure yeah. that out so um and I, I find that's a pretty good but what i find is that if you don't dabble in a little bit of all of it you'll never really know like I, I find so many people that like put off prototypes forever and ever. And then they'll get one. They're like, dude, you got me. Like, I get it now. Now that I have one, I get it, you know? Yeah. And then they're all in. It's like, well, you know, just, just start there. Just get a smattering of things and figure out what it is you, you gravitate to. Yeah. That's yeah. It's great advice. Honestly, everyone, every collector should try doing that to find out what it is they mm -hmm. actually want. And uh, exactly. something uh, you were saying before, Gary, that about like, you know, people who are going out and buying these mint on card scratches and stuff are like, there's way cheaper 
production stuff they could be buying. And honestly, a lot of that stuff probably would mean more to them because let's be frank, most of us didn't give a crap about Scratch when he was new. Like, well, the reason he's so sought after is because nobody owned him. So right, it's rare. Uh, and you know, some people like chasing rarity, you know, and that's fine too. Yeah. But that's I mean, I think like going, yeah. Like I, I've heard so many people say they loved Ground Chuck. Like that was like one of their favorite figures. Well, then having like, you know, a, a prototype of Ground Chuck will probably mean way more to you than having a mint on card scratch. So right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It might be cheaper. So. <laughs> yeah, really good, actually. And they, you're, I don't think there's anything we have or have ever sold. It's like $10,000. And then and some of these like graded, carded scratches and hotspots, I mean, that's what they're fetching now, which is crazy. Yeah. I don't so, know if people are actually buying them, but that's what they're selling for. So. Right. These are sales on eBay that look like they're legit, you know, fitness yeah. site auctions. So. No, it's not like the 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 fake craze a couple of years ago where people were like the black diamond VHS tapes of Disney movies are worth twenty thousand dollars. Like, no, they're worth a dollar. Like what's yeah. yeah. <laughs> ten dollars max. But yeah, but yeah, that's 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 great advice. Honestly, I think all collectors should should think stop, take a step back and think about what you guys said and really really figure out what they want to do with their collection because it's easy to get swept up in it especially when you're watching all these youtube videos of people saying oh you got to get this way from super seven you got to get this figure and everything and talking about how great everything is everything starts to look cool what happens to me too and you, you buy something and you're like i didn't really need this actually so yeah. it's important to figure out what you want to collect and commit to that right all right well thank you so much guys for coming on i had a blast talking to you guys uh, don't be strangers anytime you want to come back and talk or anything or anytime I want to talk hey, to you about you guys. Before uh, we go, I had a couple little show and tells if you want to see some stuff oh, we picked absolutely. up this weekend. Yeah. Let's do, that, do that real quick. I know we've got about five more minutes, but um, <laughs> that's all right. Let's a couple go. things out of the, the lot. Um, so here's an interesting out. Each of them have a story. So of course, like, right. I talked, Perfect. we talked about story. So here's an Irma hard oh, copy. Wow. So the interesting thing about Irma, if you look at the production figure, You'll see she has a little blob of pink, like on her on her left um, lapel in the production figure. Yeah. And did you ever know what that little blob of pink was? Most people are like, "This is a little blob of pink." I've asked people like, "Oh, I thought it was bubble gum or something." Oh, I, I thought it was just like a little tag or something. I don't know if you'll be able to see it. Yep, you can see it. But if you go real close here, can you tell what that is? It's a unicorn. Oh, it is a unicorn! Oh my god. <laughs> But the detail from the hard copy to the production gets so washed out. You lose so much blob. detail. That thing just turned into a little blob. And then they painted it pink. And it's just like you can't even tell what it is. But it's, so there's a there's an interesting story about Irma. She has a unicorn on her lapel. Well, I never um, would have ever known that. Yeah. Here's a Toxic Crusader figure we picked up this weekend. And the interesting All thing right. about this is he has an alternate sculpt. So this is, is a different sculpt than the, the final one that was released. Yeah, he has like a smile, it looks like there. Yeah. He didn't have that in the final. And if you don't know what a hard copy is in your yikes, now I'm dropping stuff. And you're watching this. <laughs> they come apart. Like they are not, they're pinned together. You know, they don't have the they're not like uh attached like production figures are. So it's these metal pins yeah. and they just pop apart. Um I wasn't gonna do that one. I was gonna do uh, that was such a great one. toy line, by the way. The this is a this is a next mutation line from 97. Oh, and there was a line under these figures called Shadow Ninja. Oh, okay. And this is the Venus from the Shadow Ninja line. So there's a cool under these one. And then that finally, this one is 
has an interesting story. So you'll look at this and you'll see, oh, that looks that looks like a Ninja Newscaster April or yeah. possibly the Cave April, which was a repaint of that figure. But what this actually is originally was a Yvonne figure from Toxic Crusaders. Oh. And they it's going to be second year of Toxic Crusaders. And when they canceled that, they had two uh, Yvonne figures already sort of started in sculpting. This one and one that looks a lot like the, um, the Ravishing Reporter. And so because they were so far along and had spent some money on it, they decided to turn both these figures into Ninja Turtles April figures. Okay, so I, knew the ravishing, would, I knew the Ravishing one. I never knew the yes, Ninja, yeah, New Ninja Newscaster is the same. This is what we'd call a hard copy off the clay. So the clay is an early stage of the sculpt. It doesn't have all the detail yet. Okay. So um, this one's a one piece too. Sometimes they're one pieces, but sometimes they are they can come apart in pin pieces. So this is technically Toxic Crusaders, but turned into Ravishing Reporter or um, Ninja Newscaster, Ninja Newscaster April. So there's an interesting story there. That figure. To be honest, it looks more like April than Yvonne, anyway. <laughs> yes, this one does. the uh, The original um, uh, Ravishing Reporter, the the head, the the original head for that figure is absolutely Yvonne. It doesn't look like April. Um, okay, but it's it's pretty cool. They redid the head. That's the one with like the flocked hair that looks. Yeah, horrible. yeah. Um, the the. The one that was going to be for Toxic Crusader wasn't going to have that flocked hair. It was going to have sculpted hair like the normal, you know, female yeah. figures do. That was kind of, I think, I think going out of fashion at that point. In the 80s, anytime you had girl figures, they usually had the combable hair, like She-Ra. And uh, even the Filmation Ghostbusters, the female ghosts had, like, brushable hair and stuff. Yeah. But and That's it. That's just a few things. We got a whole bunch of stuff we found that we're going to be, you know, if you're at all interested in... in purchasing some things a lot some of this is going to be for sale some of it we keep for ourselves and it'll be join that prototype group team and prototype collectors if you're, you know any of your listeners are at all interested in any of this so we'll be posting some stuff up there that'll be available awesome <clears throat> all right guys well thanks for your time thanks for the awesome stuff we got to just take a look at mm -hmm. and um uh, happy holidays i guess <laughs> yes thanks happy holidays. thanks Turtles Christmas, we wish you a turtle's Christmas.